This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 90 Nation or visit windownation.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at ClipIt.tv or check them on Twitter at ClipItTV. You're listening to BGN Radio. Jake Elliott, para ganar el partido, le mete el pie. Distancia, Eagles are 2-1 and one after defeating the New York football Giants on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. Guys, I was there. I was in the press box. I saw it happen. I saw Jake Elliott attempt a 61-yard field goal. And let me tell you, I didn't think it was going in. I saw the ball go up in the air, and it was hanging there. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't going in. It's going to be too short. It's 61 yards. He can't make this. And I'm pretty sure everyone around me just had thought it didn't go in. I thought it didn't go in. I, I was just like, oh, no, it's short. I see the refs put their arms up, and I was just like, holy, you know what? Um, that was incredible. It feels like, and I was thinking about this today, I was talking to Angelo Cataldi. I was on the WIP morning show today. Cheap plug for you. And I was thinking about it. The Eagles are the team that has that kick made against them. So much. Too often. And you just think back to Matt Bryan's 62-yarder against the Eagles in 2006. I remember that game. I was so angry after that game. Stomping on the floor. I, I was much younger at the time. So keep that in mind as well. But I was, I was just so angry that the Eagles lost in that fashion and now the Eagles are in the good end of that they didn't suffer that loss the Giants suffered that loss and guess what your New York Giants are 0-3 stick a fork in them the Giants are done now of course me saying this will come back to haunt me I'm sure but I I, I don't think so I think this is a team they're 0-3 they have a road game against the Buccaneers next week, and the Buccaneers didn't look too good against the Vikings there. I don't know what that was all about. 
But still, I think the Bucks have a chance to win that game. They're at home. So the Giants are staring 0-4 right in the face. They're at the bottom of the NFC East. And not only are they 0-3, they're 0-2 in division games, and they're 0-3 in conference games. Those tiebreakers obviously matter a lot when it comes to those playoff situations. So point being, the Giants are in a big hole. They're at the bottom of the division. The Eagles are on top. It's a great Eagles victory Monday. Now, there are still a lot of things to talk about. Just because the Eagles won this game doesn't mean everything is rosy and sunshines. And I know there are some people frustrated that the Eagles didn't have a super pretty win, which I think is kind of silly to me because, look, it's a division game. The Giants, yes, they're not good, but they're playing for their season. So they had everything to play for. Uh... I, I, I don't get too caught up in, oh, the Eagles won, but, you know, it's close. Like, it doesn't matter. They won the game. That was the most important thing. The Eagles are 2-1 and one now. They're 2-0 and oh in both division and conference games. That is all that matters. I am seeing so much criticism for Doug Peterson, not only in the Facebook comments here, and if you're listening to this on the replay, as always, you can check out these videos live on the Bleeding Green Nation Facebook page on Mondays in the 4 o'clock hour. That's facebook.com backslash Nation. I think the Doug Peterson criticism is kind of silly. Now, there's a post on bleedinggreennation.com from our own James Keene who wrote about the 4th and 8 decision. And first of all, let me say before I even get into this, it's ridiculous that we're talking about that. The Eagles won. I know we're all about process here, or at least I'm about process, so I get that if he makes a bad call and it doesn't hurt the Eagles... You still want to harp on it because the point is that you question his decision-making. I get that. The problem is he wasn't wrong to go for it. If you look at the numbers, if you look at the analytical side of things, there's data. And you and if you want to be one of those guys or girls who brushes that aside, that's on you. Like You can't just – if you want to act like something doesn't exist, that doesn't mean – that doesn't add to your argument. You're just ignoring things to conveniently fit your argument. Now – as the man himself, L.L. Pavorsky, Lee Pavorsky is checking in the Facebook comments here, who is who says he's glad for the win, despite Doug. So, L.L., you're killing me, man. Uh, L.L. not being a Doug guy here. Now, look, I'm not the biggest Doug guy. I'm not. When the Eagles hired Doug Peterson, I was pretty skeptical of him. And he hasn't done so much to me that I think he's a great coach or anything. But I just don't think that decision was terrible. I don't. You look at the numbers. The Eagles, look at it this way. Forget the numbers for a second. The Eagles are on the Giants' 43-yard line. The offense was moving decently. The defense was playing great. It's 4th and 8. If you get that conversion, you have a good chance to put that Giants team away. Because you're going to probably at least get a field goal there. And you're making it 17-0 which is a three-possession game instead of a two-possession game. So that's a big difference right there. I'm fine with them going for it. I don't even want to spend too much more time on that. Again, the article is up on bleedinggreennation.com. If you want to talk about it there, it's there. There's a poll. I think Doug was... I I don't think going for it was this awesome decision, but I think it was fine. If they punted, I wouldn't have hated it. They went for it. I like aggressive mentality. Here's how I feel about all of that, as I've said in the past. I'm fine with the Eagles being more aggressive than not. 
And there might be some situations where they're wrong, but if they're going to pick between the extremes of being aggressive or wimpy, I'm fine with them being aggressive. Now, I'm getting comments about Doug's clock management, and what about the bad play calling? Look, they won the game. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Specifically, like you can nitpick things in any given game about what a coach does wrong. You're criticizing this head coach, and yes, the swing pass on third and long, that's not good. I don't like that. No one wants that in there. But guess what? Every head coach has those plays every single week. It's not like Doug Peterson is the only coach who does this. Like, there's no perspective here, and I get it. And I'm not saying Doug Peterson, you can't blame him or you can't criticize him. That's not what I'm saying. I just think the criticism isn't in perspective. Go to any other SB Nation team site, like Bleeding Green Nation, you know, other site, other team sites version of Bleeding Green Nation. Go to the Giants site today, for example, and you'll see the fans criticizing Ben McAdoo. Or you go to, you know, another site of a team that lost this weekend, and you'll see them getting criticized too. So I just think things don't get in perspective. Uh, I don't think Doug is some awesome coach. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't look at that game and and think, oh man, we won in spite of Doug Peterson. Look. Doug Peterson is the one who made that play call at the end of the game to give the Eagles a 19-yard game, a 19-yard gain, rather, to set them up for that game-winning field goal. So when it counted the most, Doug Peterson drew up a good play call. And you have to, at the very least, you have to give him that. So, all right, let's move on from Doug. I didn't even want to get into Doug too much, but I see in the comments that there is a lot of Doug talk, so I had to address it. Uh, there's a lot of other things we want to get to. I can't believe we're already this far into it. I haven't introduced myself. I am Brandon Lee Gowton, the manager, editor-in-chief of BleedingGreenNation.com. This is Monday's episode of BGN Radio Daily, uh, which you can find anywhere we have a podcast, or anywhere there is a podcast, I should say, in the BGN Radio feed. You can follow BGN Radio on Twitter. That's at BGN underscore radio uh been doing a lot of stuff lately so go check that out if you like the podcast as always five star review and rating on itunes and again podcast is available wherever podcasts are available um some of the other things i wanted to get to now that we've talked about doug already just wanted to talk about uh and i already did about how this eagles win is so big they're two and one how jake elliott is a hero in philadelphia now uh it's it's crazy the the whole jake elliott thing we can't take this for granted this guy he was a fifth round pick so clearly he has some level of talent but still this was a fifth round pick who got cut and he was on the bengals practice squad and like the eagles so caleb sturgis goes down and you're not feeling good because sturgis was not perfect but overall solid and you look at his career numbers he was improving so you bring in this unproven commodity and Jake Elliott, and he misses a 30-yard field goal, a chip shot in the Chiefs game, and all of a sudden, he's a hero in Philadelphia. Kamu Grujay-Hill and Michael Kendricks are literally lifting him up and carrying him off the field. The crowd is going nuts. Just what a sight. What a sight to see. And that's why football can be really cool. Just a special moment like that, a thrilling win. And I was thinking about it more, and I don't think this... You know, it doesn't. It's not like this. This win necessarily means the Eagles are going to win any kind of games moving forward. But I could. I feel like this could be 
Uh, I feel weird saying a turning point because it's only three games in and they were one and one already. It's not like they were on the downside of things. But I do feel like we could look back at this point and if the Eagles can build on this, this will be a special moment, not only in the context of the game itself, but the fact that the Eagles won this big game and from there they just... they And, and you look at the Eagles' schedule, they have some winnable games coming up. So they could really maybe ride this momentum that they have and keep it going that would be ideal that would be awesome so it feels good it feels good to be an eagles victory monday one thing that does not feel good and one thing that probably took a little too long to get to here is the fact that darren sproles is most likely out for the season and that is terrible news that's man that is awful um forget the eagles for a second darren sproles great guy from from what we've seen uh, such an important leader in that locker room. Just terrible. Such a great career. For him to go down, and this being potentially his last season, and getting hurt, and not only breaking his arm, but tearing an ACL. He's out for the year. It's it's terrible. He is He's a special guy. He is on, what is he? I think he's ninth all-time in all-purpose yards. This guy is a future Hall of Famer. I really believe Darren Sproul should be in the Hall of Fame and to see him go out like this potentially that's just no one wants to see that this is a guy this he's not even a guy who gets hurt he missed one season that was 2006 with a broken ankle every other season he hasn't missed more than three games he averaged 15.3 games played in the 11 seasons before the 2017 one that we're in right now so just a devastating injury um, just sucks, man. As far as where the Eagles go from here, I would think they're well. They're going to place him on injured reserve. You can't have him. He's not going to be back, so you're going to free up a roster spot. I think the Eagles would bring up Byron Marshall from the practice squad. That seems like the logical move. Byron Marshall is obviously in that mold of a Sproles player, not anything close to Darren Sproles himself. But Byron Marshall can return punts. He can catch out of the backfield. He looked good in the preseason. We are all talking about it. He looked like the Eagles' best running back. So let's get Darren Sproles, or sorry, let's get Byron Marshall in here. I think that's the move for the Eagles. And then if you want to add a running back to the practice squad, you you go and do that or uh, something like that. And speaking of Byron Marshall, the running game. Now, as you may remember, a certain person came on this Facebook Live weekly video chat that I do, it was me, and ranted about the running game last week and about how the Eagles just don't have good running backs. Now, I look a little foolish here because the Eagles had a big rushing day against the Giants. They ran it 39 times. At the same time, the Eagles faced a very bad run defense. The Giants have the worst run defense in the NFL right now, and in part because the Eagles ran all over them. But the Lions and the Cowboys ran all over them, too, in the first two weeks. So let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. I mean, I want to give credit to Wendell Smallwood. He looked good. Corey Clement had that nice touchdown run. The offensive line, as people were talking about in the comments here, had a pretty good game. You saw them opening holes. That's obviously critical. LeGarrette Blunt was running over dudes. I love seeing that. Uh, If the offensive line can keep blocking like that, sure. The running game will be certainly be a lot more effective than it has been. And maybe the offensive line will be more effective than that. Because all of a sudden, you have 
a guy at left guard who actually looks good, and that's Stefan Wisniewski. And I don't know what the Eagles' plan was all about of rotating him in Chance Wormack, but it is clear as day that um, Wisniewski, Wiz, should be the guy in the lineup, and it should not be Chance Wormack because Chance Wormack did not play very well. I don't think he was much better, and maybe even worse, than Isaac Samalo. So the Eagles should keep Wiz at left guard. You have Jason Kelsey in the middle. Jason Peters out at left tackle. Brandon Brooks at right guard. And then Lane Johnson at right tackle. And that, to me, is the Eagles' best offensive line setup that they can put out there. So hopefully they stick with that going forward. Doug Peterson didn't really commit to that. He said that Warmack and Wisniewski and even Sumalo, who got Benz, is still in the mix, which is crazy. And it's crazy the fact that he said the team isn't down on Sumalo at all. I mean, I get it. Like, what's he going to say? At the same time, this is a guy you had as the unquestioned starter now in Sumalo, and you benched him, not even just because you felt so good about the backup. That would be one thing. That's that's a situation where you're like, oh, we have this really good backup, so what we're putting him in. That's not what happened here. Although Wiz did play well, I get it. But it's not like they just threw Wiz in. They put a rotation in. So that situation is still weird to me. But maybe it's for the best in the in the way that they put Wiz in and he's playing well. So they should keep him in. Uh, hopefully that is what they do there. And hopefully they continue to... I don't think they need to run the ball 39 times a game. That's a little extreme. Uh, if they do, great. But I, I don't think that's going to be a realistic model of success moving forward again i think the giants defense the run defense specifically being bad really helped out the eagles in that aspect but i did like the fact that the running game took pressure off carson wentz and it needed to against the giants because carson wentz did not have a good game now uh carson to his credit made the play that counted the most he he threw that pass to Alshon Jeffrey it was a tough pass he fitted it in in a tight he fit it in I should say in a tight window along the sideline he gave the Eagles a chance to kick that 61 yard field goal so you can't say Wentz was all bad and certainly his numbers didn't make him look all bad he was 21 of 31 176 yards one touchdown he didn't turn over the ball that's critical he did that in the first two weeks with the interceptions Carson had a 92.9 passer rating. So it's not like he had some awful game, but it wasn't a great game by any means. He could have been better. He should have had that touchdown pass to Alshon Jeffrey where Alshon had a defender beat by a good step or two. And it wasn't even like Wentz was a little bit off. It wasn't like, oh, I was just a little too far out in front. It's still not a touchdown if that happens, but you at least maybe feel a little better about it. It's frustrating when Wentz is throwing the deep ball and the pass isn't even close. Alshon didn't even have a chance to, any kind of chance to get that ball. And uh, for when you're facing a tough Giants secondary, because for as good as they were not in the run defense, they have some talented players in the secondary with Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins and our obviously everyone's favorite former Eagles cornerback, DRC. So the Eagles have some, uh, sorry, the Giants have some talented players there in the secondary. So when you have an opportunity like that, you really have to hit it. Also, for those criticizing the fourth and eight play, getting back to that, because everyone's favorite play, clearly, 
Look, you can we can debate about Doug. We cannot debate about Carson. You can't take a sack there. You can say Peterson didn't put him in a good situation by making him go for it. That's ridiculous. Carson needs to be smarter with the ball on that situation. And that and it sounds funny. I'm saying he needs to be smarter with the ball. But throwing a pick in that situation isn't as bad as a sack because if you make a if you take a risk and you throw the ball down the field and it gets picked off on fourth and eight, it's essentially like a mini punt or even a big one, depending how deep the pass is. So you can't take the sack there. That was a big mistake. I don't think Carson Wentz is getting enough criticism relative to the amount Doug Peterson is getting. And another Doug point I forgot about earlier and while I'm on it, we'll all harp on the fourth and eight call, but Doug Peterson will get no credit when it comes to going for it on fourth down and he gets it like he did in this game. And it led to 14 points. It led to, there are two different moments, and I get that they were short yardage plays, so they were easier calls, and maybe you guys were fine with those ones, but you just didn't like the fourth and eight one. Still, my point is that it's not just this game. He'll go for fourth down situations, and when he gets it, there's not a peep. It's not like, oh, Doug did a great job. No, it's like everyone jumps on Doug, and and I get it. He's not the most inspiring guy. But it's almost like when he makes a mistake, it's the worst thing in the world, and he's an idiot, and fire Doug. But if he does something good, I don't hear a peep. I'm not, I'm not hearing, oh, what an excellent game plan for Doug, by Doug. So I think there's a little bit of a double standard going on there. Um, just a little theory of mine based on what we are seeing out of the reaction. Um, some more updates on the Eagles injury situation today. I know a lot of people were asking about Fletcher Cox. It sounds like he might not play according to Les Bowen this week, which is not good news. The Eagles have good defensive tackle depth there, but uh, you know, Destiny Vial is out. He's the fourth guy, so you're you're really just going to rely on a rotation there of Jernigan, Bo Allen, and Elijah Qualls, which is certainly not as good when you have two guys who are great with Cox and Jernigan in there, so that's already kind of disappointing if he doesn't play. And then Jordan Hicks, it sounds like he might be able to play. Doug Peterson said he's day-to-day. Hicks, after the game on Sunday, said that he thinks he should be fine, which you take it for what it's worth because you see it there. Uh, You see situations where players say they're going to be fine. (laughs) It's not always the case. So, again, kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt, but um, I think it's you know it's potent we potentially will see um Jordan Hicks back on the field this week and and Rodney McLeod on WIP today said that there's he he thinks he'll play so hopefully the Eagles get some of these guys back I think that's another thing about this Giants win that's flying under the radar the Eagles won this game despite missing Sproles and despite missing Cox and despite missing Hicks and despite missing Ronald Darby and despite missing Jalen Watkins, which isn't a big loss, but still. And Corey Graham and Rodney McLeod. And the Eagles are on their fourth string safety. So despite all that, they still won. I think if the Eagles are healthy, that game isn't as close as it ended up being. So you have to consider that in mind as well. Um, I think another one more quick thing I wanted to get to is the Eagles cornerbacks. There's kind of there's a lot of debate on this too, I see, especially with the Jalen Mills. Now, Jalen Mills was targeted 21 times. When you're getting targeted a lot, that's not a good thing. That shows the other team 
feels confident in throwing your way because they are confident they can they can beat you. With that said, I thought Mills did a decent job on Odell Beckham. He allowed nine receptions for 79 yards. The longest reception was 14. He got beat on that pass interference. Malcolm Jenkins had to commit the pass interference to make sure Beckham didn't get a touchdown. So I'm not saying Mills had a great game by any means. He did have a big stop on third down at one point. And I think he made Odell Beckham work for his yards that he got. It's not like Mills was getting burned and Beckham was wide open all the time. And I don't I don't think... No, Chris Rose, I don't agree that he got torched all game long. That's ridiculous. I don't agree with that. Again, Odell Beckham's longest reception was 14 yards. So he really got torched. I don't agree with that. I think that Mills isn't an ideal starter. And yes, I know he gave up the touchdowns, but look at that second one that he gave up where Odell Beckham makes a one-handed catch. What did you want him to do? He had perfect coverage. OBJ makes a great play. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, arguably the best, as Edward Wright points out. You can't ask him to do anything more than he did if the wide receiver is going to make a play that no one else can make. So I'm not saying Jalen Mills is some awesome player, but I, I like the way that both him and Razul Douglas, who had the pick, battled. So, um, I, I, I again, I don't think these cornerbacks are ideal. And I, I you need Ronald Darby back. And maybe he comes back, hopefully, here in, uh, what's it down to now? When he got hurt in week one, they said it was four to six. So now it's like a either two to four week kind of return, ideally, for Ronald Darby. Um, Patrick Robinson, got to give that guy credit. Did not look good at all playing on the outside in training camp. Arguably one of the worst players of training camp. But he's really turned it around. And it's kind of not surprising because he's not on the outside anymore. He's on the, he's playing in the slot. And that's a role where he's actually played better in his career. He had the pick yesterday, which was a tipped pass. So you, you look at this Eagles cornerback group, and I'm not saying... They're awesome. I'm, they're not going to be mistaken for one of the best cornerback tandems or groups in the league. But they're battling out there. They're fighting. They're, this isn't Bradley Fletcher and uh, Kerry Williams. You know, these guys, it's not like they're getting roasted on every snap. These guys are giving the Eagles a chance to win. I thought the defense played well for most of the game. And then the injuries kind of just took their toll. When you're down to your fourth string safety, there's really only so much you can do. Uh, a lot of people pointing out how the pass rush wasn't great. I don't think that's the case. Uh, as Jacob Schreier is pointing out, and I wrote in my article on BleedingGreenNation.com, Eli Manning got rid of the ball in 1.86 seconds on Sunday, which was almost 0.4 seconds faster than any other quarterback. It was clear that the Eagles' pass rush impacted the Giants' game plan. They wanted to get rid of the ball quickly because they didn't want the Eagles pass rush to get a chance going. And if you're the Eagles, that's okay because that means the Giants aren't going to take a lot of big shots. And they didn't take a lot of big shots in that game because they weren't able to because the pass rush is a weapon for the Eagles and the Giants know that. And at the same time, it's much better to give up short plays or at least make the Giants have to earn those short plays than it is giving up those big plays because when you run those short plays, 
the Giants are going to make mistakes, and we saw it with Eli Manning. He threw that interception that was tipped by Michael Kendricks to Patrick Robinson on one of those short passing plays that was intended for Odell Beckham. So if you can force the def- the offense, as the- if you're the defense and you can force the offense into making drives like that where they have to dink and dunk, dunk all game, uh, that's what you want. So as we do every week, it is time to get in to our weekly over and under segment presented to you by not a sponsor just our good friend Stephen lee that's at Stephen underscore lee 20 on twitter.com and that is at Stephen with a ph so 60 percent of eagles fans at los angeles against the chargers that's what we're looking to right now the Eagles' next game is this Sunday, and I've been thinking it all offseason long. I think there is going to be a lot of Eagles fans at this game. I just I don't think the Chargers being in L.A. makes any sense at all. The Chargers were there for one year. One year. Their first year ever before being in San Diego every other year since. So I don't think the Chargers are an LA team. They're just not an LA team. I don't think there's a fan base there that really cares about them a ton. I think there are going to be a ton of Eagles fans because Eagles fans travel really well. There are going to be a ton of Eagles fans at this game. The over and under is set at 60%. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say the Eagles get at least 50 and I think they could get even more. There's going to be a ton of green at this game in L.A. And it's great because it's not even going to be like a true road game, I think. You look at Washington. The Washington game wasn't like that. Uh, the, the Chargers are 0-3. They're not looking too great. I think they're... It's, I want to say they're a little better than their record appears, but maybe not. I mean, I, they're, they're 0-3, so you are what you are. But I just feel like they've been competitive in these games. They took the Broncos down to the end, only lost by three. They lost to the Dolphins by two. Uh, they lost to the Chiefs by a touchdown or so, I believe. I didn't see the final score of that game. The Chiefs seemed to, to beat them pretty comfortably in any case. But uh, it's tough because it's a road game, and it's one of those East to West Coast games. So... Um, I'm not saying it's a guaranteed win by any means, but I, I, you know, I feel good about the Eagles' chances in here. Uh, we shall see. People are already saying a trap game. That's what people said about the Giants game, and I know the Eagles barely won it. It was close, but still, they won it. So, next over and under prop bet for this week is Corey Clement, a guy who rushed for 22 yards in the Eagles' victory over the Giants, got his first NFL touchdown and his first NFL carry as well. The over-under for Corey Clement this week is 45 rushing yards. Now, Darren Sproles, again, him being injured sucks. But figuring out the Eagles' running game without him, these guys that they have now are going to see an increased workload. And Corey Clement could benefit from Sproles being out. But 45 rushing yards, I have to take the under on that. He Again, Corey Clement only had 22 in the, the Giants game, and 15 of that was his touchdown run. So it's not like he was gashing uh, the Giants' defense over and over. The the one thing I will say is this might be another week where the Eagles are able to run the ball as a whole, though, because uh, the Chargers actually have this allowed the second most rushing yards per game in the NFL. Only the Giants, who we talked about earlier, are behind them. 
So maybe there's a chance the Eagles can run the ball effectively again this week. That would be great, simply because the the Chargers seem to not have a great run defense. We shall see how that one goes. For now, I'm taking the under on Clory Clement for the forty. Excuse me, the forty-five rushing yards, and our final over/under prop for Monday's BGN Radio Daily podcast is Zach Ertz. And it's set at 70 receiving yards. So I do I think Zach Ertz will have less or more than 70 receiving yards. I think he's going to have more. Zach Ertz is having a really good start to the season. He is averaging 82 yards per game. He's been targeted 10 times in 6 out of the Eagles' last 10 games. So I feel good about Zach Ertz. He's getting a lot of targets. He's productive. Um, he had that drop in the red zone, in the end zone against the Giants, but he made up for it. The only one thing I will say about Zach Ertz going into this game is that the Chargers have seemingly done a good job of defending tight ends. When you look at the tight end receiving numbers for the teams they've played so far, none of the guys that they've faced have really done well against them. I mean, Travis Kelsey only had one reception for a yard on Sunday here, so... That's the only thing that kind of makes me wonder about that. Maybe the Chargers are good at defending tight ends. We'll look into that more this week as we prepare for the Chargers game. But I think Ertz is poised to have another big game. He has a great relationship with Carson Wentz. Uh, had a pretty, he's having a pretty good season. The, the fumble was killer. Can't do that, Zach. That was killer against the Giants. But outside of that, he's having a really good season, proving to be a great, reliable weapon for Carson Wentz. And now is the part of the podcast where I turn it over to you. If you want to ask me some questions in the comments, I try to get to the ones I see as I'm going through here. But if you want to ask me some questions that I did not already get to, we want to talk about something here. Uh, if you're watching this live on facebook.com backslash Bleeding Green Nation, give me some questions in the comments here. I will answer them before we wrap up today's BGN Radio Daily and as Jacob Shire is saying that Carson Palmer cars up the Dallas defense for over 300. Oh, he's giving me an over-under. He's saying uh, 300 passing yards allowed by the Dallas defense tonight. Oh, man, I would love to see over. For, da- for the Cowboys to lose and the Giants at 0-3 and Washington won, they're 2-1. But the Eagles already beat them, so that's good. Um, Michael DeAndrea asking... So the questions are rolling in here. Uh, why was LeGarrette Blount absent in the second half? If I'm not mistaken, he literally had the same amount of carries in the first half that he did the second half. Uh, I have to go back and double-check that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that on Twitter today. So you got to look at the facts there. Uh, Jay Eagle is asking, any update on Ronald Darby? Is he coming along? Haven't really seen anything on him. I Last I saw or heard was that he's still really not walking on his own yet. I'm not sure if I saw that right, but... Uh, again, it was a four to six week injury timeline when he got hurt and the Eagles didn't put him on injured reserve. So that's encouraging. That means they expect him to be back at some point here. Uh, I think it's still, it's two to four weeks away for Darby based on the original timeline that was given, but I think it might be a little closer to the four than the two based on, uh, just how the injury went and, the fact that we haven't heard a ton of progress here. So um, Reggie Lee asking me does the, the chances of Sidney Jones playing this year. I, it's, it's so hard to guess just we haven't heard any information on Sidney Jones. The only thing I will say is that 
Sidney Jones is eligible to practice in week seven. So that means there are only three more games, 100% where Sidney Jones can't play due to being on the NFI list. It's the non-football injury list. So it's possible that Sidney Jones could be active by week seven. Now, I don't expect that. I think if he's active at all, it might take a couple more weeks than that. And keep in mind, with this NFI list, just because you're practicing doesn't mean you're activated. Once the team activates, or once the team starts practicing a player, there's a 21-day window where they can practice for three weeks there. And then the Eagles either have to put him on the roster or keep him out for the year. So the Eagles still have some time to figure that out. Uh, maybe the Eagles might need Sidney Jones if uh, we're going to keep seeing all these injuries here. But hopefully not, because hopefully Darby will be back. So, um, do I think Alshon Jeffrey will get 1,000 yards this year? This question from Tayshon Williams. I'll get back to that after I see the Chargers game. I want to see what he's on pace for for four games before I feel confident in that. I think, you know, if, if, if Wentz is, improves his deep ball, absolutely Alshon can get those 1,000 Um he should have had a bigger day, Alshon now, and Wentz, on Sunday again against the Giants. He didn't because Wentz missed that pass. And some of the things that go under the radar, I think Alshon drew at least one and maybe another. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, he drew that pass interference penalty that set up the Eagles in the red zone. So that doesn't go on the stat sheet, of course. But the fact that Jeffrey is a respected wide receiver who can get down the field like that, he can draw those pass interferences. Ask Tory Smith. They know to sell some of those calls as veterans. The Eagles just didn't have anyone like that last year. So that just that alone, being able to draw those pass interferences, we're already seeing, does make a difference this year. Uh, Chris Peters asking, why is everyone so hyped on Corey Clement? He isn't anything special because he flashed in the preseason against nobody. I'm kind of with you there, little Chris. Now, I don't want to hate on Corey Clement. He's a local guy. He works hard. He seems like a good kid. I have nothing against Corey Clement. I think if the Eagles had an awesome star running back like LaShawn McCoy or you know a good running back, a number one running back, I think if Corey Clement was your number two, that would be great. I think people would feel fine about that. I just think the the idea that he, Corey Clement, can be a number one or, or something bigger than he is, I just I don't see it. I think he's a nice rotation guy. Again, he had 22 yards and six carries which is, what, about 3.7 for an average, and that's about what he had in the preseason there. So uh, it's not he's not some exceptional guy. He's not bad. He's not a flat-out bad. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I just don't think he's anything uh, it's worth getting super excited about. I think that just about does it. Questions are slowing down for today's episode. Again, I am Brandon Lee Gowton. If you're listening on the replay version of this show... Uh, you, again, you can check out these shows live on the, the Bleeding Green Nation Facebook page. That's facebook.com backslash Bleeding Green Nation. If you are watching me live on video, hello there, on facebook.com, you can check out the replay of this podcast and our BGN Radio daily episodes for Tuesday, Wednesday, and all other days of the week, along with the main shows. You can check that out anywhere you can find a podcast leave us a five-star rating and a review tell us what you like tell us what you don't like check out the bgn radio facebook page that is facebook.com backslash bgn radio podcast you can follow bgn radio on twitter 
at BGN underscore radio. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Obviously, check out all my work at bleedinggreennation.com. Check out bgnradio.com. And if you like the podcast that we do and you want more, we already do a lot. We put a lot of content out there. But if you want even more, you can check out patreon.com backslash BGN Radio and check out some of the special offers we have there. We have bonus podcasts that you can check out. Uh, lots of good stuff for everyone. So go do it. Go check it out. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today. Appreciate it. It's an Eagles Victory Monday. We can all celebrate. Feel good for this week. The Cowboys play tonight. Hopefully they lose. If you're listening to this after the, 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 the fact of that game, hopefully I'm right about them losing and you can enjoy that. If not, well, then it's clearly my fault. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Take it easy, and I'll see you later. Later.